Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I am David Chen, and joining me today are... Devendra Hardawar. And Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today is Monday, November 2nd. We're recording the show. By the time you're listening to this, it's probably going to be Tuesday, November 3rd. Uh, and I- I'm just going to start this episode by stating the obvious. Uh, everyone is probably really stressed today. You know, no matter what side of the political aisle you are, uh, it's apparently a very stressful time. I, I read in, in, in the story about in NBC News today about how everyone is incredibly stressed right now. I like how you say apparently, like you don't feel emotions. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't uh, wanna, my, I, robot, I, my robot body doesn't understand this, but apparently pe- the humans are having a problem. People tell me about emotions. I understand <laughs> it intellectually, but I don't know what yeah. it actually feels like. Yeah. Um, I hope to one day taste the glory of human emotions, you know? Um, but until that time, I'll just say that, uh, uh, you know, here on the Slash Filmcast tonight on this podcast, here's what we're going to be discussing. We got a little Wait, bit Dave, of film. I, I don't want to go past yeah. that, that moment for a second. I made a, yeah. I made a goofy joke. Yeah. But I want to say we are, we're in a unique position right now. People are hearing this in the future. <laughs> yes. And we are in this Schrodinger's cat situation where democracy is both alive and dead inside the box. <laughs> it's true. The ballot yep. box, that is. Yeah, yeah yes. nice. And and we uh, we don't know which one it is. And the people who are listening to this do. So they are either commiserating with us uh, or, and, and going, oh, they had no idea. Or they are, uh, they're like, these guys, you know, they're so anxious and so worried. It's all going to work out okay. Or more likely... <laughs> Neither of those. Something uh, horribly <laughs> muddled in between. You know? Some some sort of bunker situation as the new American Civil War has broken out, and they're using the slash film cast as just a, a kind of salve to uh, get through the next minute of, of their lives, because they're taking it minute That's by true. minute. Yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, it is it is a common trope in science fiction to have a... Uh, a kind of an event in the future that is like cataclysmic, right? And that that cannot be predicted. There was actually a brilliant sci-fi series that came out recently uh, that might sound like the word BEVs. And it features a uh, machine that can predict the future, except, uh. except for one major event that clouded the machine's thinking. And it feels a lot like that's what's happening with the election right now in the sense that Mm -hmm. the election is this huge thing that looms large where uh, the the impact will likely be felt for the rest of our lives. But we we have no we can't predict with any real confidence what is actually going to happen in the next week. And so we are living in the sci fi movie. We are living in Bev's. Right now, or a show that sounds like it. I, I, th- I think you're burying the lead here, Dave, just a bit, because I need to tell listeners, we are actually from the future. We are from the post-election reality, and uh, the only way you'll survive is by listening to podcasts, apparently. Just <laughs> all the podcasts. Go back and listen to our old That's episodes. That's right. It's, Join uh, our Patreon yeah. Join our Patreon or suffer the consequences of the future. That's uh, that's our message. Yeah. Great, no, great message, Jeff. I want to I want to uh, congratulate you, Dave, because uh, you have single-handedly uh-huh. uh come up with a loophole to spoilers that i did not foresee <laughs> the sound alike mm. ha- yeah. completely sidestepping the spoiler no one could possibly get spoiled with a sounds like 
Right? I, I, I don't know. I think uh, people are probably pretty angry at me right now, to be honest. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. So anyway, oh, man. Okay. I have more to say on this topic but before we get I can't to wait. That, I can't wait until people send us emails spoiling Blennett for us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, anyway, today on the podcast, we got a little bit of film news to discuss. We got some what we've been watching to discuss. We got our weekly plugs. And then we're going to move into an in-depth review about On the Rocks, the new Sofia Coppola movie that just debuted on Apple TV Plus. Because why not ring in the apocalypse with a <laughs> light, fluffy film that is of no consequence to anyone? No, I mean, uh, it should be a fun discussion, uh, but that is what is in store today. Now, as Jeff and Devendra kind of indicated in different ways, the Patreon is live, gentlemen. The Patreon's live. Patreon.com slash film podcast that's patreon.com slash the word film podcast if you are interested in supporting this podcast uh head over to patreon.com slash film podcast add it's free shocking episodes we got that name by the way I, I just have to say it's a no other movie podcast has ever been on patreon it's apparently. so true we just it's so we true just no wildly it. successful film podcast um yeah. so yeah uh our patreon is live thanks to uh all the over 700 people who have contributed to the wow. Patreon already and just a quick note about how the Patreon is going to work is basically um, uh, the Patreon is going to give you using your uh, personalized RSS feed, ad free episodes, as well as after dark episodes. Now, as a gesture of good faith to and, and possibly as a marketing tactic, we are going to release the after darks for free through the rest of the year. Uh, on the main get feed. Get them hooked. Get yep, them hooked. You, yeah, you will get them a little bit later on the main feed than you do on the Patreon, um, but you will be able to get them. And it'll just, it's basically, we're transitioning over. We know it's a pain in the ass. We're transitioning from PayPal to Patreon. It's kind of a pain. So, like, it's kind of our way of saying thank you. Thanks for dealing with us. Uh, thanks for bearing with us as we go through this transition. We really appreciate it. Um, now, typically, what we would do uh, to record the After Dark is we'd record the main episode and just go straight into the After Dark when we are uh, desperately tired, our brains are struggling for oxygen, and we basically have nothing new of interest to say. That's when we typically record the After Dark, right? That's why you're our salesman, Dave. Doing good. Yep, yeah. yep that's yeah. generally how yeah. we do the After Dark. Uh, and that's generally how we will do the After Dark in future weeks that aren't this week. However, as we've just discussed, this week, there is a there is an event happening to quote M. Night Shyamalan. There is... An event of major import, that's the election. And uh, we weighed a few options. We thought about, okay, should we record the After Dark and release it? You know, well, we usually release the After Darks on like Friday or Saturday. Should we record the After Dark and release it Friday or Saturday? If we record it on Monday night, whatever we record, whatever it is, will be hopelessly out of touch with whatever it's has trash. occurred. It's trash. It's pure trash. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. complete garbage, even more so than the normal podcast. Right? <laughs> Frustratingly uninformed content. Yes. <laughs> it would be like, I don't know, if you ran a video game podcast or something, and then like you record uh -huh. an episode, and the next day like Microsoft yeah. purchased Bethesda. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Only an like, idiot would do that. Only an idiot, like grossly unprofessional. You know, yeah. like yeah. Basically, a disgrace to, basically a disgrace to what your profession is. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Um, only a moron would do something like that. So rather than do that, what we're going to do is uh, we have actually scheduled a separate recording date for the After Dark. It's going to be after the election. Um, and so if you want to hear our thoughts on uh, what's going on after the election, 
uh, at least what we know as of this Thursday, then you're going to want to subscribe to the Patreon at patreon.com slash film podcast or the regular feed a day later. <laughs> um, but just let, let, just letting folks know that this week we're going to record the After Dark like later in the week. Usually it'll just be the same time. So it's actually and timely. Yeah. It, yeah, it's actually timely this week. We've we got to kick things off in style. So I, I think either, no matter how this goes down, uh, that After Dark will involve a lot of alcohol. Like yeah. it'll just yes. be... Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be a fun one, folks. Oh, I mean, we, we have purchased, uh, let's just say, edible products for this household. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like like pizza. You stuff. mean food? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Usually, robot Dave doesn't eat, but this time he's making an exception. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Uh, well, that's what is going to happen with the Patreon this week. Again, thanks to everyone who donated uh, and is a patron. We really appreciate it, and we're looking forward to delivering you some content of some <laughs> level of quality. Period. The end. All right. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> TM. <laughs> TM. So uh, to move on to a more serious topic, because 2020 is the year that just won't stop taking, uh, we learned this week that Sean Connery has passed away. Um, yes. Sean Connery passed away. Very, very sad. And I just wanted to acknowledge it on the air before we move on, because, yeah, this is a guy like he is a, an actor who hasn't made that much stuff recently, but he's an actor who's made stuff that obviously each of us like treasure dearly right definitely. uh i i think he's definitely uh part of the way i like <laughs> he his roles in the james bond movies are like how i started to understand like, kind of classical notions of masculinity as an example right <laughs> for better or worse um, yeah <laughs> but i always thought he brought some great <laughs> yeah he is how all men should behave is my understanding yes no. yes um but uh I, I always appreciated the gravitas he brought to roles, uh, regardless of how absolutely silly they were. And so why don't we start with this exercise and then we can talk a little bit more about him. But like favorite Sean Connery movie, I want to ask each of you. And I, I I thought a lot about this. I mean, obviously There's a lot to choose from so many to choose from so many to choose from. I mean, uh, I know many of you are probably thinking Entrapment. That uh, robbery movie with Catherine Zeta-Jones, but of course, uh, I mean, we can't you know, all pick Dragonheart. It's true. It's true. I actually, really, or like Finding Forrester. I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, okay, <laughs> you guys are being a little mean now, but I actually, <laughs> like, you know, I enjoyed all those. Movies. He, I, I do he enjoy them. I enjoy. I wasn't saying that because they're movies. bad. I'm just saying them because they're dwarfed <laughs> yeah. by other movies of his. <laughs> so true. So true. So true. Right. So uh, for me, like really loved his work in The Rock, really loved his work in the James Bond movie movies. But I got to say that my favorite Sean Connery movie is probably Indiana Jones and the Last, Last Crusade. It's yeah. because it's, you know, uh, his... That's the one we grew up with. You yes. Know? That's the one yes. that it's I, like, made me it. know who Sean Connery was. I mean, that's yes. like, I mean, I kind okay. of had a, an idea of who he was, but like that was my, that's my Sean Connery. Right. Mm-hmm. My James Bond was Roger Moore. My my Sean Connery wasn't James Bond. Right. My Sean yeah, Connery yeah. was Dr. Jones. And that's that's who Sean Connery was to me is uh, I will never, ever forget my dad. I think I want to say it's on Father's Day, but I don't know if that's apocryphal in my head. But I want to say it was Father's Day that he and I went to the movies together. Just the two of us. We didn't, my mom didn't go. My sister didn't go. It was just the two of us. And we went to see Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade on the big screen in a movie theater that no longer exists in my hometown, but was one of those old timey movie palaces, you know, like love those. a yeah, single yeah. screen, just ornate, 
decoration everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. Yes, big like box seats, you know, like a, a mezzanine and all that stuff. And I'll never forget, I can see it in my mind sitting next to my dad watching that movie and just being brought into a world of imagination. It's a movie about dads, you know, it's a movie about, and, and that was like the dad, like Indiana Jones's dad is as cool as Indiana Jones. And really, who else could you get to play that? Like that was the only person that you could cast as Indiana Jones's dad. And it was perfect. And he was so perfect and he didn't need to be, you know, uh, the alpha, right? He, he, he got to sit in the sidecar and clutch his, his uh, umbrella and his hat. And <laughs> he, he, it was so, such a perfect performance. Um, I don't know. For me at that age, that, that he, he was everything. And, and, you know, that was, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And also that movie was on TV all the time. So among the like family friendly Sean Connery movies, I feel like that was among the rare ones uh, during the uh, during the 90s, at least. And I, I grew up with that. That's I watched that a ton. I'll have to say, though, my probably my overall favorite. Um, there's so many. Um, I love him in The Hunt for Red October because that yeah. feels like that character is just. Yeah, that's pure movie. nobility. It's pure like, man, he he's doing the hard thing and you think he's kind of the villain at first and like man that movie just works on so many levels but i also have to say i love him for when he goes genre and isn't ashamed of it so freaking highlander it's not a great movie yeah. but i genuinely love it and hey he looks ridiculous in zardoz but he freaking committed to that movie like that's professionalism so i i love him forever for these sorts of things and yes bond um I'm not sure what my favorite of his is. Uh, I do. I think like Goldfinger is the one where yeah, it kind of encapsulated yep. everything yep. about him. Yeah. Uh, but he he's like you know talking about culturally relevant. I mean, this is a guy who w- was not only somebody that was obviously very admired and very imitated, but like e- even people that imitated him, like the imitations became beloved. You know, like uh, yeah, on uh, Celebrity Jeopardy. Right. Right. Um, the, the, the fake uh, Sean Hammond. Connery. Right. Yeah. Daryl Hammond, Sean Connery in Celebrity Jeopardy was incredible. You know, and like, yeah. I, I remember like that being a part of uh, growing up with with like the idea of Sean Connery as well. So uh, he is he was just there's nothing like it. Now, let me take you guys down a, uh, a, a rat hole here with regards to Sean Connery, you know, and uh, what what almost could have been. But do you guys remember? That when Skyfall was being made, yep, there was this character in Skyfall uh, called Kincaid. Yeah, old uh, guy and, for no reason in the house. Yeah, yeah, and uh, apparently uh, Sam Mendes considered casting Sean Connery as Kincaid in Skyfall, mm-hmm. uh, which would have been pretty remarkable. It would have been like I don't know that we've seen like two Bonds in a film before, right? In the same Bond film. Um, but man, that would have been amazing. But according to Sam Mendes, like it's problematic because it would take you out of yeah. the movie. Connery yeah, is Bond, yeah. and he's not going to come back as another character. He's been yeah. there, so it's a, it was a very brief flirtation with that thought, but it was never going to happen because I thought it would distract. End quote. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, just yeah. distract I'm, you I'm in a Bond movie. That. No, yeah. his <laughs> Bond, like his Bond continuation, is The Rock. Like, can I, like for yeah. me in my head canon. That is what happened to James Bond, you know, at some point in the 90s. And The Rock is the follow up to all of his Bond movies. Still my favorite Michael Bay film, I think. Yeah. The Rock is because it had that perfect combination of all of Michael Bay's fetishes, like 
the U.S. military, slow motion action, <laughs> you know, like all this stuff uh, combined with Nicolas Cage being the most Nicolas Cage ever, or not not the most, obviously not true. That's probably Vampire's Kiss. But like Nicolas Cage <laughs> being really, really out there, like a great Nicolas Cage action performance coupled with Ed Harris, Sean Connery in that movie. Yeah. I mean, that's just an yeah. unstoppable trio right there. It's insane. And um, also the stories we're just getting like from people who've worked with them, like there were there, I forget who tweeted this, but somebody said a character actor they worked with on the rock at some point, like Bay was trying to direct his acting and I, I didn't Connery said something like, don't you have a bridge to blow up somewhere? Just like <laughs> fuck off and let the man act. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. There's a story yeah, I mean, that Brian he, Koppelman told about, mm-hmm. uh, Sean Connery working with Brett Ratner. Yep. Um, basically uh i i i won't read the whole story but but basically they had a disagreement um and sean connery asked the director who apparently was brett ratner uh like how he was planning to shoot an action sequence and brett ratner says i'll use movie magic and then brian Koppelman <laughs> tweets you could hear the silent anger on sean connery's end of the phone and sean connery then says I started making movies before your daddy started pleasuring himself. I want to know shot by shot, how will you execute this? <laughs> uh, cool. And yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. We stand he's a king. Yeah. Completely badass. Completely he badass suffered dude. no fools, you know? Yes. He, he, yeah, yeah. What are you going to yeah. say, Jeff? Oh, I was just going to, I mean, there's so many other movies that we could mention that were incredible. Um, the, uh, the you know the, obviously we've hit the the ones that I would bring up as my number ones but we haven't mentioned yeah. the Untouchables yet Untouchables mm-hmm. great, uh, great Presidio choice, yeah. Uh, yeah. is awesome I mean there's there's so many I even like in you know in college I even dug uh uh or not college high school I guess it was I dug Medicine Man like it was like a cool campy fun thing like the idea yeah. of like swinging from treetop to treetop. And the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, the Avengers. You know, he was in the, he was in the Avengers before the Avengers. <laughs> Pretty good stuff. The '90s Avengers, which yeah, we don't remember unfortunately. Med- Medicine Man, uh, John McTiernan movie. You know, yeah, John McTiernan he's made in, that movie. He's in he's in Time Bandits. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, yeah, Time Bandits. Were you a fan of that movie, Jeff? Time Bandits. Yeah, that movie's a blast. Yeah, come the, on, uh, yes, Terry Gilliam, right? Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Oh, dude, as a kid, yeah. Come on, I wore out the VHS of that. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Well, anyway, a huge loss for cinema. Uh, and yeah, I, I I really, really appreciated this this guy as an actor and loved his work and also his style. And uh, he will deeply be missed. So Sean Connery, rest in peace. Thanks for everything you contributed to the world of movies. It was a blast. Working from home is pretty much a way of life these days, and if you're a cat owner like me, you're probably having a few issues with your new office mate. Uh, Maybe they're just always on your keyboard or always hopping into your lap during Zoom calls. But I have to say, one thing I don't worry about is my cat being smelly, thanks to Pretty Litter. And that's a big deal, because we pretty much never leave our homes these days anymore. Pretty Litter does a great job of keeping my home smelling fresh thanks to its ultra-absorbent crystals that instantly trap smells, and it's pretty easy to clean up too. It lasts a whole month, and it doesn't really need to be scooped or cleaned that often. It's also safe for your household since it doesn't kick up dust like clay litters, which is great for anybody who has asthma. 
And best of all, you don't even have to leave your house to get Pretty Litter. It comes to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Shipping is free, and it comes to you on a recurring basis, so you never really have to remember to even order it. And what's really cool is that Pretty Litter also changes colors to help you detect signs of potential illness, like urinary tract infections and kidney issues. I really appreciate not having to lug a giant bag of litter back from the pet store, and it just gives me a peace of mind to know that my litter can tell me when my cat is going to be sick. So do what I did and make the switch to Pretty Litter today by visiting prettylitter.com and use promo code FILMCAST for 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code FILMCAST for 20% off. prettylitter.com, promo code FILMCAST. All right, let's move on to what we've been watching this week. I want to talk about um, How To with John Wilson. Have you guys heard of this movie, uh, this show yeah. Yeah. on yeah. HBO Max? Have you seen it yet? No. no. Uh, let me just say, I mean, I, I think this show is excellent. And I think Devendra specifically needs to watch mm-hmm. it. Because, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to it. It's hard to describe what this even is. Um, and I, if you actually watch the trailer, like the That's trailer. That's also how people describe me. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. The, but but like the trailer fit. is about how they couldn't figure out a way to advertise a show, you know? And yeah. so it, I'll read the plot summary from the internet. D- documentary filmmaker John Wilson embarks on an odyssey of self discovery and cultural observation by covertly filming the lives of fellow New Yorkers while trying to share advice. So the structure of each episode is. It's how to blank. So how to make small talk, how to uh, put up scaffolding, like literal scaffolding in New York City, Um, like the scaffolding that you walk underneath when you're next to a building. And uh, and so every episode is kind of a how to. And what is extraordinary about it is that A, the dry style in in which the uh, director, John Wilson, narrates everything is very kind of, he's just basically like incredibly socially awkward. Uh, And he's narrating this stuff. And it's just like, he's he's filming all this random stuff uh, that occasionally is very, very disturbing and occasionally is very funny and occasionally very weird and very sometimes very insightful and sometimes very revealing. And he's just delivering this narration in like a super dry fashion. Uh, Nathan Fielder is an executive producer on the show, and it very much feels like a, a Fielder-influenced project. Uh, how many of you guys watched Nathan For You? Jeff, did you ever get on the Nathan For You train? I never finished it, but I watched a few episodes because you guys had spoken so highly of it. Yeah, and you you weren't a, you weren't a fan. Okay, you I don't know why it didn't click with me. I, I don't know if I gave it enough of a chance. I know you guys were saying it really was a work of genius. I I just yeah. never. I think I watched maybe two episodes, uh, and I found it to be funny, but I don't think I clicked the way you did. That's fair enough. Uh, yeah, I've, Nathan, for you is yeah, uh, work of genius. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think it's brilliant. One of the things I think is brilliant about it is that it blurs the line between truth and fiction, right? Between documentary, truth and fiction. Like you don't know how much of what you're watching is actually true or quote unquote true. Like so, like is, the news. <laughs> indeed like you don't know if it's been staged you don't know like if the people are into it or, or i'm sorry are in on it you don't even know if like those people have been asked permission to have this footage shown right and right. so it's just like you're always questioning like what is real and what is not real when you're watching this but really so the the kind of way the um the narration is delivered as one kind of quote unquote selling point of the, of the show. But the second thing is just the B roll that he's able to get 
And also the way in which the B-roll is assembled is just, he elevates it to art form. All these odd juxtapositions, it, it really is delightful to observe and watch. So uh, I really enjoy the show. It's like one of the most enjoyable things I've seen last year. And it's very weird. It's not for everyone. Jeff, it might not be on your wavelength. Um, just like Nathan for you wasn't on your wavelength, but mm-hmm. I thought it was great. And I think if you're willing to be weirded out by a show, yeah. then you will enjoy how to with John Wilson, which is airing right now on HBO max. So, and yeah, it's a, uh, it's gotten a lot of coverage recently. You know, if you Google how to of John Wilson, uh, the New York times just published an article, the best half hour of comedy in 2020 is about scaffolding. That is an <laughs> article that was published today about how to with John Wilson. So the talking about the scaffolding episode. So anyway, it's really, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, worth, yeah. I'm willing to give it a shot. I, I'm, it sounds intriguing. Yeah. Check it out. I, let's talk about it next week. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So, and each episode is only 30 minutes long. So it's, yeah. y- you know, if you, if you uh, aren't a fan, you can get out of there pretty quickly, but so how to with John Wilson on HBO max. That's what I've been watching. Devendra Hardwar. Tell me about what you've been watching. Oh, I got around to seeing David Byrne's American Utopia, which is streaming now on HBO max. Uh, this is a documentary or uh, not quite a documentary. This is a you know, film, it's a musical. Say. Yeah, it's a concert film of his Broadway production directed by Spike Lee. I love David Byrne. I love Talking Heads. And this just felt like a thing. It, it was like a nice injection of hope and optimism in, you know, the cruel world we're in right now. So the film is basically David Byrne and a you know bunch of musicians uh, with wireless instruments um, just playing on a soundstage. Some of his, you know, most memorable songs from Talking Heads and some from his American Utopia album. Um, it is, it's a blast. I think your enjoyment of this comes down to really how much you love David Byrne. But I have to say, like, I love the guy and I feel like for people who have never really given Talking Heads a chance, this is a good introduction to what makes him so special because Talking Heads is just a band of like skilled musicians making very catchy tunes. And even if their lyrics didn't make much sense most of the time, like it's just so much fun to listen to. And it was actually so much fun. Like my daughter was watching it alongside me and she just like started dancing she started drumming tunes to certain songs. I think it was Home. Um, she like she just loved the vibe of it. And the entire show is just, it, it's a celebration of his music. But also in a way, you know, it's American Utopia. It's, it is sort of like the ideal of like what, what we are as a country. I don't think it gets very heavy handed about it. But there, there, there are certainly points, right? There are points where there's a point where he's singing out the names of you know, black people who've been killed by police and killed in America. And it becomes this wonderful tribute to all those people who are lost. And the special overall just feels like something that's very hopeful about where we can go. So if you're sitting and staring at Twitter or Facebook or whatever and doom scrolling this week, I'd suggest this as an alternative. Um, It's great. It's fantastic. It is the American utopia I want, you know. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll talk a little bit about this. Uh, I watched American Utopia on HBO Max as well. And I actually had the chance to see this concert live. It was not on Broadway, though. It was uh, at an outdoor festival called Sasquatch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, I mean, Devinger, I think you're, if anything, I think you're underselling how amazing this is. because It's it's great. It's great. because, Because basically the way the lighting and the set on this thing is designed is fascinating. He uses lighting. 
I don't know who I, I, I uh, like Spike Lee directed this, but I would say like, yes, yeah, I don't I don't think Spike Lee designed the Broadway show, though. I think he just did the no, uh, that's the like film, this right? is it's like his type of thing. Like, uh, you know, Byrne does all sorts of different art. I'm sure he's worked with folks with it, but this seems like something right. from his own head. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the way that the show is lit and the way that um, the set is designed is able to kind of replicate cinematic techniques. And Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. really remarkable when you're watching it live because you think to yourself, oh, I know, like, we we have a kind of um, uh, way of perceiving and processing visual information. Like, when you're watching TV or when you're watching a movie, you're like, okay, this is one mode of perceiving information. And when you're watching a live concert, you're thinking, okay, this is a one, like, I'm perceiving space in this way and I'm perceiving how this is happening. And when you watch American Utopia on HBO Max, directed by Spike Lee, it's like those things are blurred together because uh-huh, well, uh-huh. You're, you're watching a filmed version of a live concert, but then, but then the way that the live concert is lit and edited and shot makes it feel like, again, having seen it in person, it's like you're watching like a movie, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you're watching a piece of visual art, uh, but yet somehow it is trans- transpiring live on stage. Uh, and so it's really remarkable what he's able to do. And I think uh, when, when I watched it live and then I, I heard there was going to be a concert film, I thought, okay, all like best case scenario, this concert film captures part of the magic of seeing this thing live. Uh, and I think it does that. It's, it's hard to capture the exact magic because again, watching it live, you're like, this is, this is amazing. It's like, I'm watching this in a TV, but it's live. And I don't, that's, I know I'm like sounding almost incoherent in describing it, but like, that's the best I can describe it as is like, it's like you're watching something that's like ultra designed. That's like, um, as an example, you know, like sometimes the stage will divide itself into like little yeah. sections. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're, you're watching like the stage become a metaphor for whatever the song is trying to say. And it's like, it's remarkable. It's remarkable. So it's really interesting visually. And the, the tunes are a delight and it's very creative. And I think the, the, uh, concert like the direction of the actual special is is very good the the thing you don't want to do for this special is destroy the magic of what the live show was and i think this special retains that magic so that's great anyway american utopia i had a great time as well check it out and if you're a fan of david byrne you will love Mm -hmm. american utopia so it's on hbo max all right, uh, so Devendra, you've been really, really busy as well, right? I have. Um, so I haven't had much time to watch many things because I have in my house the two next-generation consoles, and whoa. I can't – it's crazy. It's crazy. It's amazing. You have it's the PlayStation 5 this. and the Xbox Series X. Yeah. We, we don't usually talk about video games in the podcast, but Jeff obviously hosts a video game podcast. Sure. I am very into video games. Yeah, and, and the, I am these very devices excited. are they're media devices too. Like they're all yeah. relevant, you know, yeah, and yeah. uh you know, they're fine. They're cool. <laughs> How dare you? It's fine. I, I, dare can, you. I can I only one, say so I have, much. I have exactly two things to look forward to this year, Devendra. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you this, Devendra. Like, do you do you feel special at all that you're one of maybe, you know, a couple dozen people in the country that has one of these I mean, right now? Like you know, I did it's like li- literally there are millions of, of people there are literally yeah, yeah, yeah. millions of people that want the devices that you have right now in your house yeah yeah and and, and in fact millions more that can't even pre-order it. i'm one of those people i want i want to pre-order <laughs> i literally don't have the option to pre-order it right now because they're all sold out 
Um, so do you, do you feel like ever, do you feel special? Do you feel nervous at all that you're like, oh, yeah. someone's going to break in and take these things or something, you know, like how, how does terrifying. it feel? I mean, the, these things are not like top secret, you know, mil- military things. Like it, it, they're really cool consumer hardware. Uh, if you have recently bought a new computer, like you two gentlemen, um, I'm, I'm, you currently have much more gaming power, you know, underneath your desk. So, you know, these consoles are going to be fine. I can't talk too much about them. Um, I can't say like basic stuff about the design and whatnot. And just as boxes, as devices that sit in your entertainment center, they're both very wild, right? Because they're, the huge. X, they're huge. They're huge. The Xbox Series X is just, it is straight up a PC tower. You know, it is kind of a miniaturized PC tower. Um, I cannot fit it vertically anywhere, um, but it fits nicely horizontally next to my like center speaker. So that's fine. The PlayStation 5 <laughs> is enormous. I, it, I, is I, it's, it looks so unmanageable. Big. It looks unmanageable it is to me. insanely big. It's also a shape that's like a plastic egg where you don't know how to like which way is up it's hard to tell it's hard to tell which way is up either in vertical and um horizontal mode and it requires a stand because of the weird ass shape so to like just keep everything stable so i I can't say like from the basic hardware design i'm i'm very much much preferring what xbox did uh but have to say uh the controller on the ps5 is phenomenal it is something that i think we're going to be talking about for a while just because they did some really cool um haptic stuff and some really cool uh tech where they can add resistance to the triggers so the game you know the console ships with astrobot i could talk about one level of that and that one level called cooling springs just really sells what is so transformative about this controller because you can feel Everything you can feel like the difference in surfaces as you're walking around. Like if you're walking on sand, I like if, sa- if sand, you yep. can feel sand through the you controller. Can feel, it's yeah. like a little sandy. It's a little rough. Don't uh, put if you're walking sand on in your metal, controller, Dave. Well, you know, it's just there. That's the magic mm. of what's happening now. But yeah, if you walk on metal, you walk on wood. It just feels different. The resistance of the controller <laughs> is um, kind of just. It's surprising. Like when that game turned on, the controller kind of shakes a little, and it's almost like it's grabbing your hand the way it moves. So I found that kind of shocking. I hope to see more developers taking advantage of it. And I'll have more to say on this, um, you know, down the line reviews are incoming. The hardware is really cool folks, but uh, you know, if, if you have a gaming PC, you, you've already got much better hardware. So it, it's fine. It's fine. It, the, these aren't the things they're not going to, you know, uh, change your life or anything, but they're very cool upgrades over the last gen from I what I've what's seen. Also so interesting, what's also interesting about this is like, the, these are probably the last consoles that will have Blu-ray players in them, right? Yeah, like yeah, future probably. Consoles, some of them like, don't. I, I gotta, yeah, some of them don't. <laughs> I gotta skews yeah, that don't. They have skews yeah. that don't. But like, but like, if there is ever another generation after this, my guess is they probably won't have Blu-ray players. So this is kind of the swan song for blue. And I'm just saying that I don't actually know any information. Like, I don't have any inside info. But like, this is probably the swan song for. Uh, physical media players on consoles that are widely distributed. Yeah. I mean, I, and, I go even further. Like this may be maybe not the last actual physical consoles you'll own that are underneath your TV, but these are we're getting close to the point where you know game streaming could actually be a big deal, and that's something everyone's building towards. So right, yeah. the future of media is really fascinating right now, especially when it comes to games. 
Um, I think these things are really cool, but I have to say the, the X, the system I'm really intrigued by is the series S, which I don't have because that thing is super, somebody else, uh, on my, on our staff is reviewing that, but that thing is cheap. And for a lot of folks will deliver like all the gaming you kind of want or need, uh, even if you have a 4k TV. So that's going to be an interesting side by side. And yeah. Uh, I'm interested to see like where this generation goes. There's a lot of cool stuff happening right now. And at least like, you know, we're, we're getting 4k standard with these systems and maybe more yeah, higher frame rates and stuff. And that's all going to be really cool. Check out my reviews later. Um, soon, soon at Engadget. You'll see. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Jeff Kanata, what have you watched this week? Well, you guys talking about American utopia reminded me of something else I wanted to mention which is I had a chance, uh, I had the privilege, I had the joy of watching a live streamed concert for my favorite band, The Midnight. Uh, They did a special concert on October 30th. I think it's still streaming if you go to midnightofficial.com. I love The Midnight. Uh, it, It is legit my favorite band right now. Now that Prince is dead, it's The Midnight. Uh, and I, my family loves it. My kids love their music. We streamed it in the living room, dancing around their um, sort of synth wave, wonderful uh, sort of a retro sound. But their new album is, is they're fant- fantastic. If you haven't heard me talk about The Midnight before, just listen to their music, search for The Midnight. Uh, their newest album is called Monsters. Actually, there's one, they did a Halloween album on Amazon Prime streaming. Uh, but Monsters is, I think, their best album. It's amazing. Uh, it's their newest album. Anyway, am I, am I making up that they listen to the Slash Homecast? Is that well? That's I what fabricate? I was just about trans- to oh. transition <laughs> to. Dave. I, I always step. I always step on your transition, Jeff. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I know you enjoy that. You, you get some joy re- out of that. I relish it. I, rel- I just yes. got a dopamine hit just now. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> the Tim McEwen, who is half of the Midnight, uh, just became not only a Slash Filmcast listener, Ooh. but a good sit. Patron. Oh, he's a patron of the show at the good sit level. And he called me specifically to tell me to tell you guys that he is now our boss. Oh, no. So he wants us. Yeah, he wants us to be very well aware that he is now that he and uh, about 700 other people are paying to be our bosses. They're paying our salaries. They're, They're our bosses. And he is going to relish that power and use it uh, as as however he wants. So all right, there you well, go. look forward to that. So that's the midnight concert, Jeff. What else are you watching this week? I also checked out the new Netflix comedy special, uh, Sarah Cooper. Everything's fine. People, I'm sure, are familiar with Sarah Cooper from her. Mm-hmm. I think very very deservedly popular uh, Trump lip syncs TikToks. She, she, she has, um, I, I know a lot of people who are into comedy who kind of hate that that is what, you know, she did to get to be popular. But I also think those things are great. And her talent as a physical comedian is undeniable, I think, there. I agree. I, I do mm-hmm. think that, um, I, I mean, I've watched almost all of them that she's done. I think she does that. It's not, on the face of it, it's something that you would go, right, okay, right. anybody can that's do it? that. But That's it? Yeah. Yeah, but no, she the way she does it is the reason it became so popular. She does mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. just lip sync Trump. There is 
there is a skill and an art that she applies and yeah. it is evident and it makes it into something. It makes it into something very specific and very funny. Um, so the, and so, so the big she, question, Jeff, is could she translate this into a more conventional TV show? Yeah. Well, it isn't a, a conventional TV show. It, it's it's really a <laughs> sketch show. It's a comedy special that is a sketch yeah. show. Well, but that's uh, what and, I mean. You know, it's like uh, as opposed to like a, a 30 second thing, you know, like a right. 20 or 30 minute thing, you know? Um, my answer to that is no, but, um, I don't necessarily, she had a lot of help. There are a lot of cameos in this. There so are many. a lot of so very, many. very famous people. Cause it was, uh, so everything's fine. It was directed by Natasha Leone and I'm sure she like helped, uh, bring on a lot, a lot of these. Very, and I think, I think it's like executive produced by Maya Rudolph and Fred yeah, Armisen yeah, yeah. and, and they're Who's both in it. In it they're and, both in it. Yeah. yeah. John Hamm is in it. Mean, the list goes it's on good. and on and it's on. It's fun. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. And there's a lot of people having fun in it, but it is sort of loosely structured as uh, she plays this character who hosts a morning, you know, one of those peppy morning shows, uh, news shows. And but then, you know, it spirals off into sketches. It's it's full on sketches, fake commercials. It's a very much a sketch comedy show. And some of them are funny. And it is interesting that, you know, she still tries to use the the um lip syncing thing as a hook right there's there's lip syncing of trump there's lip syncing of other people there's putting her face on things using special effects to put her face on things while she's lip syncing all of it's fine but i just never thought the thing the the special as a whole caught fire or, or gained any momentum for me it 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 was fine but i didn't mm-hmm. ever you know some of the gags were a little um stale to me and and didn't really land and um, I overall was a little disappointed by it, to be frank. I'm still a fan of her and what she does. I think she's really smart. And there is a few sections of it that are really whip smart. Um, but overall, I found it to be pretty uneven and not not particularly great. How about you, Devendra? You also had a chance to watch Sarah Cooper's Everything's Fine, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I can see where you're coming from, Jeff. I think it's it's really enjoyable. It is a fun thing to watch right now, especially as like we are you know, looking at the specter of this election and everything that's going to happen tomorrow, you know, on election day and everything that's going to happen after the election. Like there's just so much. Um, I think this special in a, in a strange way is a good way to like cap off 2020 and just the insanity of it, because it does try to confront all those things. It is a little hit or miss. I don't think all the segments work, but I think her bits specifically are pretty fantastic. There's some really good stuff and the cameos I think for the most part, um, after a while, it just seems like a bit much for a 45 minute special. But I, I think a lot of them are pretty solid and also has a great, great Maya Rudolph sequence because she plays the uh, the weather lady on this yeah. morning show. And she is just let's, let's put Maya Rudolph in everything. Why isn't she a huge, she huge star yeah. at this point? I mean, she kind um, it's of fantastic. Is. She, she I, I is. Imp- but, I mean, you know, a, a big an enormous star. She should be <laughs> yeah. in freaking everything because she hasn't really been in that many films. And I know she's kind of taken, um, you know, some breaks during her career, like to do other things because the industry just has never been that great to her. So anyway, I, I love Sarah Cooper. I kind of love everything. Um, I love all the people in the special. I just wish the sketches were better. It's definitely yeah. worth a watch. And certainly if you're was... looking to, I don't know, um, for some people, it's a it's a very weird zany humor type of thing. Uh, it confronts the apocalypse in a way. It confronts you know the the insanity of our times directly. 
and it's not like light humor, but I do think it's it, it if you process the the world as it is right now through humor like this, um, I think it would be perfectly you know fine for you. I I, I did I've, think that it was pretty uh, impressive how willing to be absurd it was. Yeah, you know, it really yeah, goes yeah. absurd, and mm-hmm. and I've always been a fan of that kind of humor and. You know, it does not go halfway. It gets really bonkers, and that's that's fun. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, let's go all the way. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I've heard some rough things about this show, to be honest with you. Um, and yeah. I think the probably the least charitable thing I heard was it feels like a personification of the Bart gets famous episode of The Simpsons, where he <laughs> gets famous because uh, he accidentally says the phrase "I didn't do it" live on TV. Do you guys know what this episode is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but well, let me just say, uh, I am, I am, I've seen a lot of the criti- like, I know people who are doing comedy too. And it's just like a lot of those criticisms are just like so tired because they're devaluing like what she does beyond the Trump stuff. So that that's all. That's all. I'm tired of seeing <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. There, there's a lot yeah. of jealousy out there. Well, like she, anyway, she is a working comedian that's been doing this for a long, long time. She's yeah, not just some I, nobody who just all of a sudden started TikToking Trump people. It's true. I, I bought Sarah Cooper's book. Actually, yeah. um, which I f- found was it's very just, amusing. Uh, it's just Trump's words <laughs> written out. <laughs> it's just transcriptions of Trump speeches. No, uh, it was called 100 Tricks to Appear Smart in yes. Meetings. Yes. Uh, which I I own and have gotten a great deal of enjoyment out of. Um, when I. Because uh, you're I using read, it as an actual instruction manual, right? Yeah. I use it actually. I mean, some of these things are actually really good. Um, yeah. yeah. L- let, me, uh, let me read some of these to you, if, if I may. Because it, it is frightening how many of these actually work in real life. I'm just going to put this out there. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say that um, none of these would work at the current company that I work at right now. Um, but I, I'm not saying that they they might have worked. At previous companies I've worked at, I that shall remain nameless. Okay, uh, but here are some of Sarah Cooper's ten tricks to appear smart in meetings. Um, number two, translate percentages into fractions. If somebody says about twenty five percent of all users click on this button, quickly chime in with so about one in four and make a note of it. Everyone will nod their head in agreement, secretly impressed and envious of your quick math skills. <laughs> uh, I, I, people actually do this stuff. That's great. Um, no, no, I'll just read one more. Uh, number seven, pace around the room. Whenever someone gets up from the table and walks around, don't you immediately respect them? I know I do. <laughs> Walk around, go to the corner, lean against the wall, take yeah. a deep contemplative sigh. Everyone will freak out and wonder what you're thinking. <laughs> she she used to work at Google, so I, I yeah, wonder how exactly. much of this is just like actual yes. what works at Google type things. 100%, yeah. 100%, 100%. Anyway, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, sorry you didn't enjoy it, but the show is Sarah Cooper. Everything's fine. And uh, I agree with you. She is very, very talented. Hey, let me tell you about our sponsor, Better Help. This is something that both my wife and myself have been grateful to have. If there's anything that is interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals, maybe you want to talk to a licensed professional therapist. It really can help. It really can feel good. And you can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, this is not a crisis line. This is not self-help. This is actual professional counseling that is done securely online. And my wife and I have both taken advantage of this. This is a stressful time. This is a hard time. There's a lot of 
<laughs> there's a lot of darkness that that she and I have both been dealing with, a lot of uh, real real stress. And it's nice to have someone that you can talk to on your own time, in your own space. You get a, a much wider range of counselors that you can choose from because you're not you're not tied to people that just happen to be around you. And if you find that the therapeutic match that you made initially is not the right one for you, BetterHelp makes it easy and free to change counselors if you need. This is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is also available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit their website, betterhelp.com slash filmcast. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. And join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So, just for Slash Filmcast listeners, get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp at betterhelp.com slash the word filmcast. Hey everyone, if you're like me, you're probably feeling a bit stressed and anxious about just everything going on in the world these days. One thing that's been helping me through this is Feels. It's premium CBD that's delivered right to your doorstep. It naturally helps to reduce stress and anxiety, uh, helps with sleeplessness. For me, it really helps me when I have trouble sleeping when the news just gets too crazy. It's super easy to take. You just place a few drops under your tongue and you'll feel a difference pretty quickly. And what I like about Feels is that they give you different choices for dosages, so there's room for you to experiment and figure out what works best. They also offer real human support, so you know you can actually talk with a real human on the phone to figure out which dosage is best for you. And uh, you know one of the best things to use it, it's all natural, there's no high hangover or addiction. So you can join the Feels community to get Feels delivered right to your doorstep every month, and you'll save money on every order. You can pause or cancel at any time. Now I'll just mention something quickly from their website. Representations regarding the efficacy and safety of feels have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Um, it's not intended to diagnose, prevent, or treat any disease. Even without that official label, feels has me feeling my best every day, and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash filmcast, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash filmcast to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash filmcast. All right, let's move on uh, to weekly plugs. We're going to do weekly plugs. Weekly Plugs is a segment each episode where we plug something that we have created or something that someone else has created that we really appreciate. I'll start real quick. I had a chance to interview Caesar Kuriyama for Culturally Relevant at culturallyrelevantshow.com. Caesar Kuriyama Caesar. Is, the, yeah, yeah. Caesar is the creator of the One Second Everyday app, which I've been using for several years now, in which you record one second of every day of your life and then stitch them all together to form a movie about your life. Have you totaled been, those seconds at this point, Dave? Like, wh- what does that number look like? I probably have about seven years of seconds, so it's about probably like half an hour of a uh, video 
you know, 30, 40 minutes of video of my life uh, that represents the last, like basically my time in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. It is a super meaningful process to do the one second every day thing. I'd strongly recommend it. And uh, I had a great ch- time talking with Caesar about uh, how he formed his company and uh, and also how his company is adjusting in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, one second every day, you generally shoot in, and share these videos because you want to like share how like awesome your life is and all the great things happening in your life um, and how you're going out and having all these great times. And uh, it's different in a pandemic. And so we talk about that on culturally relevant. Yeah. Culturally relevant is the podcast. Check that out at. Okay. Devendra, what have, uh, what's a weekly plug you have? Um, you know, it, it's all console all the time right now for me. So uh, I'd recommend the last episode of the Engadget podcast where we talked about uh, the Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 and gave some early impressions. Uh, I chatted with Jessica Condit, who covers video games and Gadget 2. We both have um, units and we were able to like just have a really good conversation talking about how we feel about all these things. Um, you know, get, get ready to flame me, Sony fans. I don't know, just because I don't like the shape of the box. But hey, it, it's a fun conversation. Go check it out. And we will have a lot more coming soon in Gadget. All right. Uh, And how about you, Jeff? We'll stay on that video game tip. And I'll tell you about the most recent episode of my video game podcast, DLC, episode 363, with uh, special guest Alex Amancio. He is uh, one of the people that helped make the Assassin's Creed franchise at Ubisoft, helped make uh, Far Cry 2, which I think is still the best Far Cry. Uh, And he left Ubisoft to make his own company, Reflector Entertainment, partnered with uh, one of the creators of Cirque du Soleil. And they are making a game that was announced at Gamescom last year called Unknown Nine. The thing that's so fascinating about that game is that it's not just a game. They're doing an an entire cross-media franchise with it. It's, It's going to be a comic book and a TV series and a movie and a podcast all the same universe, all shared stories and all shepherded by Alex. And uh, I think he is one of the best guests we've ever had on DLC. And I say that knowing that both of the people I'm talking to have been guests on the show. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, you said he uh, is I mean, one, I get of, it. he is get one it. of the best guests of which we are also one <laughs> yeah, of the best. guests. Better. Let's just say he's in an echelon that is not currently represented in this conversation. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm not wow, computing Jeff. this. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm going to remember he, this next time you need, you desperately need a guest a few days before the podcast. <laughs> if only Jeff knew somebody who could talk about these new consoles. Mm. Oh, mm. it stings. Yeah. It oh, stings. Speaking yeah. of which, yeah. speaking of which, what are either of you doing next Sunday at 7.15 PM? Um, <laughs> no, uh, seriously though, he is a fantastic guest. Really, uh, really honest and open about, the challenges of that and, and talks about uh, talks specifically about the uh, cyberpunk 2077 delay and, and how delaying games works from a developer's point of, point of view. It's, it's a fantastic episode uh, and it just went live um, this morning. So check it out. Uh, it's a five by five dot TV slash DLC in episodes 363. All right. Those are our weekly plugs. We also want to thank the people who donated to the podcast this week. We got some nice messages too, from a couple people. Uh, first, this message comes in from Rob, who sent in a very generous donation. 
Um, Rob from alternateending.com writes in, Greetings slash Filmcast crew. I was a late bloomer to the podcast medium, having started listening to Serial Season 1 back in 2014. Uh, side note from David Chen, uh, Serial Season 1, of course, the, the podcast that invented podcasting, right? Alongside Mark Maron's WTF mm-hmm. podcast, right? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And okay. Conan O'Brien. That's how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> the three canonical podcasts that created the podcasting <laughs> world. Yeah. Um, After having my mind blown by how much I could enjoy audio-only content, allowing me to fill in the silence of long commutes and workouts, I went in search of a movie-related podcast to scratch my cinephile itch, uh, which sounds kind of gross. Um, After being disenchanted with the majority of the film snobbery I was finding, I finally stumbled onto the Slash Filmcast. Here were three friends talking about movies in ways I could relate to and understand. While listening to the episodes, I found myself chatting in my head alongside all of you and even audibly yelling in the rare instances I disagreed with you. I haven't missed an episode since. You all inspired me so much that back in 2017, my wife and I launched our own podcast to capture our he said, she said discussions from a film school dropout and casual movie goer. We've since added a film critic to the mix as well. After compiling over 150 episodes, a listener recently told us that we inspired them to start their own podcast. It took time to think about that for a while. Here we are three years later, paying the gift you all gave us forward to someone else. We wouldn't be here today without the slash Filmcast, since we always encourage our listeners to hit us up on social media, leave a rating on iTunes, or possibly donate if it in no way creates a hardship for them. I thought it was hypocritical that I haven't done the same for you. To make up for my long overdue contribution, please find included with this note a five-year lump sum donation via a one-time PayPal, and be on the lookout for me as a patron going forward. I hope it in some way represents a fraction of the value you provided us. Keep up the great work. You, You never know who you may be inspiring. That's awesome. That comes in from, from Rob. Thank you, Rob. Um, yeah, uh, what, what a lovely message from Rob. The only thing that I thought was a little bit of a bummer about that uh, otherwise amazing message is this idea that we inspired Rob to start a podcast mm. as, as, as somehow being a good thing. And um, We don't need you know, more I, competition, Rob. I think, of, I think it's Come more on. like uh, the way he's describing it, like <laughs> we made him start a podcast and then he made someone. It, honestly, yeah. it's like, it's like, it, it's like it, fo- it follows, you know, like yeah. the horror mm-hmm. movie. Like yeah. you start a podcast and then someone listens to it and then like this, this horrifying naked man on a roof follows you around until yeah. you, you pass the podcast bug on to someone else. Mm-hmm. Now this other person is is uh, has the thing following them. Doom like to the talk into a yeah. microphone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like a, the ring. It follows. Yeah, like yeah. any of those things. So seven episodes. You know, uh, you know what Andy Warhol once said: "In the future, everyone will have a podcast." It's true. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. So on the one hand, Robert, uh, you're welcome. On the other hand, we are so so sorry about this. Period. Yeah. Period. Okay. Mm. Um, also, we got a message from Jamie Scott from New York who donated and wrote in the following. I started listening to the Sideshomcast after the 2016 election. My podcast feed was full of news podcasts, and after Trump won the election, I couldn't stand to listen to any of it anymore. I needed escapism, so I looked for entertainment and film podcasts to replace all my news podcasts. I listened to yours first. And much to my disappointment, you talked about the election for almost the whole episode. Yep, that's <laughs> but what you we seemed, do. You seemed like a nice group, so I persevered. Over time, the Slash Filmcast became part of my weekly routine. I'd listen to episodes up to the spoiler bumper. Then weeks or months later, after I had seen the film in question, I'd find the old episode and finish it. This was a lot more fun when you can actually go to the movie theater. <laughs> I kept meaning to donate, but never got around to it. So here's four years worth of $2 monthly donations. Keep up the great work. 
Uh, by the way, I always, almost always agree with Dave, except for standing ovations. I'm English, and I really think they should be reserved for truly exceptional performances. Hmm. So thanks to Jamie Scott yeah. from New York for uh, that message. Really appreciate that. And yeah, you know, I would say that episode that we recorded after the election was is probably one of the most, I'm not going to say it's our best episode, but it is one of the most remarked upon episodes that people, like probably more people have written in sure. referencing yeah. that episode than any other episode, I think. Um I guess yeah. it really helped people to hear other people process what was happening mm-hmm. in real time. Yeah. Um, one thing that's kind of an after dark topic that we're not going to get to put in the after dark because by the time it's the after dark, it's going to be over is uh, we, we, you know, uh, because of the Patreon, we started a new section of the show document called potential future after dark topics. And we were writing things there that might be after dark topics. And uh, one of you wrote it. I assume this is Jeff. One of you wrote in the 2020 election, coping mechanisms question mark and so i thought this might be a good time to just bring bring up coping mechanisms as we're wrapping up this uh this uh weekly plug slash donation section um but you already it's said a very the stressful time. one <laughs> i already said the edibles yeah so i guess i'm curious like do you do you guys like i'll just say i'm still debating what i'm even going to do for election night uh tomorrow sure. um sure. I hear some options, you know. Um, Don't just doom scroll. I feel like that's the only do, do, thing. Doom you know? scroll. I was thinking of doing like a live broadcast that might help people <laughs> to talk to, to have some people to chat with. Um, thinking of like you know uh, eating and drinking a lot of random things, you know, like <laughs> having like kind of a party of some kind, you know, that 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 stuff. Um, but I'm curious, like how you guys are thinking about it. What what's your kind of? Well, I want to uh, say yeah. to pull back the curtain a little bit. Dave did suggest us recording the after dark on election night yeah and or the whole episode on yeah. election yes. night, which would have been hard weird but yeah but also uh my wife walked in the room as i was considering this as i was furiously texting back and forth with with the guys and she said absolutely no, we not get drunk. yeah <laughs> you will not be you will not be leaving me alone for several hours <laughs> to do a podcast while i deal with this by myself yes, uh, yes. she said i need i need emotional support tomorrow night so See, it's, uh, inter- it's interesting i think like th- this is the thing is like we kind of uh, I, I think there was a disconnect when we were texting about this because i think you were very reasonably being like okay like how can I take care of my family during this momentous event? Yeah. Whereas yeah. I already knew this is a fact. Like my wife is like, Oh yeah, I don't care what you do. Like it's cause she's, she, there's a possibility she might be a, like asleep by 9 PM. You know what I mean? She, <laughs> she just wants to like, completely, and there's a possibility. That's I'll the never way to sleep deal with again. It, <laughs> yeah. possibility, Jeff has slept for the last night ever. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so yeah. So it's just kind of like, yeah, I think the vibe in the Chen household is going to be very different, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Then like I'm impressed. Yeah. I I I wish I had her uh, ability yeah. to compartmentalize. Yes, Good. well, <laughs> diplomatically put, Jeffrey. Diplomatically put. Um, so, Devendra, any any thoughts on how you're going to kind of get through election night? I feel like so there, there are healthy ways and there are unhealthy ways. My unhealthy way, which I could just kind of that's the reality of what I'm in right now, is just burying myself in work because I've mm. been writing nonstop for days. And that's not going to stop until this week is over. So there, there are a lot of things happening. I will be doing a lot of work. Um, and also, like, you know, I, I, I'm i spending time with, with my baby. And I think that's that's the fun way, like, that's the bit of fun I can have in this hellscape is because, you know, I moved to Georgia 
to have a little more room and a safe area for my daughter to play and hang out and not be, um, you know, cooped up in a cold New York apartment uh, because right now things are super cold in the Northeast and I feel for everybody there. Uh, one, one nice thing about being in the Southeast is that it's, it's relatively warm and we can still go outside and do stuff. So I'm, I'm enjoying that and taking advantage of what I can. A lot of baby time. I do think maybe during election night itself, uh, if I'm not working, I may just do the like pop it like every hour, just like, okay, where are we? What's going on? And then I'll go play a game or something or read a book and then pop in another hour. Um, because sitting there and staring at it just doesn't, it's, it's not going to help anybody, you know, like find ways to distract yourselves. I'll still be curious about what's happening. I feel like that's going to draw me back in, but the most dangerous thing is to just sit there at, and stare at Twitter and, you know, at the news commentary and try to figure things out from there. Well, I'm in a pretty terrible position because, uh, Wednesday is the dungeon run and Mm. I do a tremendous amount of work on Tuesdays to prepare for that show. There you go. Uh, (laughs) But I, I, that requires focus and creative thinking and escaping into a fantasy world of my own creation. And I, I, I've already told the cast, like, don't expect a lot this week because I'm going to be it's, I'm just not going to be in the headspace to be able to create, you know, this, this fantasy world. I, I wish I had that kind of uh, ability to check out. I, I fear I will not be able to check out tomorrow. I will be uh, mainlining mm-hmm. the whole day. And I, I recognize that's not healthy, but also, you know, I heard a great quote. Somebody w- was standing in line uh, to vote and the reporter came up to them and said, uh, how long have you been waiting to vote? And the person said, four years. Yes. And yes. that's kind of how I feel is like, literally, yep. this is the moment that I've been thinking about nearly every day for the last four years. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a it's, I just don't know how I'm going to be able to mm-hmm. not be on pins are and needles. You, are you long. more worried or more excited, Jeff? Because I have to Way say, more worried. I, I'm, I'm certainly worried too, but I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like, you know, jinx us or anything here, but I, I think things look, Sounds okay, like that's exactly the, what you're about to yeah, do. <laughs> for the, the non hellstorm. Uh, I'm excited to see who goes blue. I'm excited to see yeah, how this changes the shape This is the first, time, is the first time you're living in a swing state, Divinger. Yep. Like probably yeah. the, the first, first time in your life. Georgia has been a viable swing state for decades. Yeah. It, like, it seems like it's been a long, long time. Does, so. it, does it feel different? Does it feel different like to live in a swing yeah. state than not? Yeah, like, well, it feels like, okay, what I'm doing, you know, I, I, when we, you know, we voted early, I dropped my ballot off at the, at the library and that felt momentous. Like it felt like a shift, it (laughs) felt like you were, you were actually doing something because I've been, I've lived in New England my entire life. So it's like, yeah, now you can move back to be democratic. Yeah. (laughs) You're, you're done. You did what you needed to do. You can move back. Mission accomplished. Mission. Mission That that was actually my secret. You know, it was me and a whole (laughs) bunch of people from New York. We all moved down to red states and this was our plan all along. Um, but no, I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens and shout out to Stacey Abrams and all the work she's done to really spur voters on. Um, she lost the gubernatorial election, you know, a couple of years ago here, but it was in Georgia. close. It was, it was closer close. than it anyone ever stolen. thought it would be. It was yep. so yeah, stolen. It, was straight it, up it stolen. would be more accurate to say she won the gubernatorial. She election. won. Yeah. <laughs> she did win. It was stolen, but 
she didn't she didn't just back down. Yeah. She got to work yeah. and she mobilized people and goddamn, I feel it here. And there's an energy here and I just I love it. So I'm hoping for Georgia. I'm hoping for Texas, which yeah, apparently looks incredible too. So I feel the fear, but I am leaning into the the excitement of it all because yeah, th- this is definitely going to be an election to be remembered for a long time. It's going to yes. it's going to have some lasting effects throughout the entire country. Yep. Yep. And what's yeah, up, and like I said, it's it must be weird people. Yeah, people listening, listening to, this to this after this has already occurred. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. That's why we wanted to record the after dark after the election itself, so that yeah. hey, different so tone. hopelessly out of touch. <laughs> What'd you say, Jeff? It'd be a different tone, no matter yep. what. Yep, yep. It'll be a different tone. Uh, I would recommend an article I read in the New York Times today by Charlie Warzel called "You're Waiting for Election Results." It's agony. Here's yes. what to do. I'll link to it in the yes. show notes. Uh, and he gives a few tips here. Um, one of the experts says, don't cancel, schedule. And the, they quote someone saying, lots of people tell me they're canceling everything during election week. And I'm like, no, please don't cancel, schedule. If you have nothing to do, you'll only revert to worrying yes. and obsessively consuming yes. news. Mm-hmm. Um, just as many believe in prayer here, I believe in action. Vote yourself, help others to safely vote. Um, but don't limit yourself to just one thing. Any activity that can provide a sense of control or agency will feel like a balm in this moment. Volunteer, start a craft project, cook, do something that reminds you life will go on. Uh, another thing to do, don't deny your feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't uh, like deny that you're scared and don't try to like push those things down. Have someone to vent to, allow those feelings to come out somehow in a productive way. And uh, another one, give yourself something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Focusing on something desirable is a great strategy. Um, it's not fiddling while Rome burns, said uh, this guy named Mr. Uh, Markman, who's an expert in these kind of things. Um, uh, there'll be time to refocusing thoughts to, uh, I'm sorry, there'll be time to refocus thoughts to the election as returns come in, but planning and executing something you enjoy will reduce uncertainty between now and then. So Jeff, maybe. Wait, that- I'm, I'm looking at this article, Dave. Here's a weird one. Uh, number number 13, buy a gun? That's a, That sounds like a weird one. I mean, you say that jokingly, but millions of people have actually become first-time gun buyers. Um, oh, I know. In the last, yeah. And so, Walmart pulled ammo off its shelves uh, in anticipation yeah. of an they American actually, election. They actually reversed re- that. Re- reversed they, it. They were going to, and then they reversed it because probably a little chicken shit. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, I'd, uh, I'll link to this article in the show notes, and hopefully whatever you are doing out there in the world... Uh, you are staying healthy, you're staying safe, and that you vote. These are our our hopes for you as our listeners. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that could go down this week. I I, I hope that there is no violence. Is what I am hoping. Yeah. Oh God. So, yeah. Well. Yeah. I don't yep. think that that's a likely. There, there, I mean, there already that, has been violence, yeah. and it's yeah. it's crazy. So there is that. Um, part of me wonders, like, I kind of want to do like just like a live stream of a movie during election, you know, <laughs> like a live tweet. We could do an Amazon let's, let's watch, party. watch something. Yeah. Do let's an Amazon watch, watch something folks. Yeah, uh, please. Let's let's uh, I'll text you. Divinger. Maybe we can do an Amazon watch party tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can watch I Borat <laughs> <laughs> on prime video, you know, something like that. we can, we can do something, but let, let's give people a place to like come and congregate. And, yeah. Th- that's kind of what yeah. I was thinking is like, I, yeah. I, I want people to like have something to think about and do, that's not just doom scrolling, you know? So maybe, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll do something. I don't know. Still thinking about it. it it's really probably going to be a game time decision and come down to like how I feel in the three minutes before I decide to start. Oh, no, doing. most definitely. It's all, it's all going to be insane. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, 
Well, uh, thanks for all the people who donated to the podcast this week. Uh, we are uh, accepting Patreon contributions at patreon.com slash film podcast. You can donate there to get some cool benefits. But if you just want to make a one-time donation and do maybe a shout-out, uh, go to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash word filmcast. Of course, never donate to Patreon or to uh, PayPal if it in any way causes you hardship. The show will always be free for all to listen to, the main ep- the main podcast episodes. Um, but if you want to support us, we'd love it. And also, if you want to support us for uh, no money, just head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a star rating. It really does help. Hey, I want to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Purple. Purple is improving the way we sleep with their patented technology, the Purple Grid. What is that? Well, I've had a chance to take a look at it myself up close and in person. It's amazing. The Purple Grid is the only comfort technology that instantly adapts to your body and sleep style. It's got these open air channels. You can see them. If you pull back the layers of the mattress, you can see them. And they they provide total pressure relief, airflow, and ergonomic support. It's actually kind of amazing. It also stays temperature neutral to eliminate pressure and keep you cool all at once. That's pretty awesome. There's nothing... I like more than staying cool at night, not having to worry about overheating in bed. Woo! Every Purple product ships free and is delivered right to your door. And if you're not completely satisfied, you can return your Purple for a full refund. That's right. Purple is so confident in what they do. Every product comes with a risk-free trial. And Purple has financing available as low as 0% APR for qualified customers. Monthly payments are easier on your budget, and there's no hidden fees. I'm telling you, they sent me a little sample of the mattress. By the way, my kid loves it, and I love it too. It's pretty amazing. You can see how unique this technology is. So experience the Purple Grid, and you'll sleep like never before. Go to purple.com slash filmcast10 and use promo code filmcast 10 for a limited time, you'll get 10% off any order of $200 or more. That's purple.com slash filmcast10. That's the number one zero, filmcast and one zero. Promo code F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T-1-0 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Terms apply. All right, let's get to our review of On the Rocks. Hi, Dad. Hey, kiddo. Oh my gosh, do you look beautiful. Cliff, how's your mom's hip? Good, thanks. Good. He thinks you're my girlfriend. Bryce. Been busy? Yeah. Dean's traveling with clients all the time, and I'm just the buzzkill waiting to schedule things. Just, I'm so stuck. So Dean's going away a lot, huh? On business trips? Dad. Raise your hand if that sounds fishy. He's not like you. He's a good guy, a great dad. Sure, it's nature. Males are forced to fight, to dominate, and to impregnate all females. Maybe he's just not interested in me anymore. Impossible. A woman's at her most beautiful between the ages of 35 and 39. Great, so I have many months left. That was from the trailer for On the Rocks, the new film written and directed by Sofia Coppola. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. 
A young mother reconnects with her larger-than-life playboy father on an adventure through New York. Uh, this movie is uh, uh, has debuted on Apple TV Plus recently. Not just TV, uh, but movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and uh, this is the second film we've ever reviewed that's on Apple TV Plus. Hmm. Um, but we thought, hey, what what a great way to to record on the eve of the apocalypse. You know, let's review something light. Let's review something. Yeah. A title uh, that is that, very descriptive about our entire democracy. Indeed. But so, yeah. Devendra, I think you, you've been a fan of some of Sofia Coppola's work in the past. What did you think of On the Rocks? Did you feel like mm. um, this movie really kind of w- was, you know, like when, whenever you watch a Bill Murray film, you know, you know there's going to be some fun times. But is it going to deliver on the emotional heft of something that Sofia Coppola is capable of? What do you think? Well, let me put it this way. This week I watched a Sofia Coppola movie about a woman who was uncertain about her career, thought her relationship might be falling apart, and spends the night with Bill Murray traversing a city as she tries to piece her life together. But enough about Lost in Translation. I mean, come on. It's obvious. Boom goes the dynamite. Boom goes the dynamite. It's it's, I I didn't even want to do it because it was so (laughs) obvious is the thing. But I have to... If, you if hate, you're gonna give you me hate this, yourself now. You hate yourself. I do. I yeah. do. I feel dirty. But if you're going to give me this movie, I just kind of I have to take the easy pickings. I think this movie is of a piece with Lost in Translation, but nowhere near nowhere near as good. Nowhere near as deep or as meaningful. Um I, I you know, it's it's a fun time. And I think what it does explore, um it's nice to have Rashida Jones in a really meaty well, in a good starring role. I don't think the part is particularly meaty. You know, this is a movie about a woman who's exploring her life uh, because she is she's a mom in a fancy Soho apartment in New York. She has two beautiful kids and her husband, played by Marlon Wayans, is just always, always out working. She's beginning to, she's beginning to suspect he's cheating on her. And that is kind of that's kind of it. You know, she's kind of lost her mojo in a bunch of ways. And Bill Murray is just this 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 little, you know, imp who just comes out and breathe some life into her into her dull dull life i guess he is i think he is fun but he is it's bill murray being bill murray as as you'd imagine he would in kind of every situation here it has an exploration of i don't know being a mom and being part of a family and seeing you know getting older and seeing all that seeing the things you kind of want drift away from you i don't think it's particularly deep and this movie does go some interesting places and we'll we'll talk about some of that in spoilers where I think like it hints at like almost getting to a really interesting point around this Bill Murray character. And I don't think it quite hits that. It was an enjoyable watch. And I will say the the one thing, the one big takeaway for me for this movie is that, God damn, I miss New York. I miss just walking around and seeing people on the street and hopping in a cab and going to, you know, a bar that you've only heard about on a, you know, in a movie or somewhere or someplace, you know, sitting somewhere where a Hollywood legend, you know, once sat, I miss the vibe and energy of the city. And this movie is really full of that. And I kind of appreciate that. Um, It's very much New York through, you know, a well-to-do rich family as, as is Sofia Coppola's kind of thing. But it's also like the problems I think are pretty, pretty universal you know it's it's a mom who's dealing with her husband not always being there being frustrated because she is now more of a mom than a writer or somebody who is defined by her career 
And that's all interesting. I just, I wish the movie kind of went further. It feels a little too light, a little too fluffy. And like with, with a little bit of a twist, it could, it probably could have been deeper, but I think my big takeaway from this movie is I don't, I don't quite know this Rashida Jones character. You know, I know what she, I know how she defines herself through this relationship, but I don't know who she is. And I think the movie spends way more time on Bill Murray and kind of his escapades and how he, what he means to her rather than, you know, what she is actually doing for herself. So I think that kind of hurt the entire finale of this film, but it's, it's fun. It's enjoyable. But if you've never seen Lost in Translation before, go watch that first, please. It's interesting that you say that this film makes you miss New York, because while I do think that this film renders New York in a very vivid way, that way is quite negative in my opinion. Like <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't think it's negative. I think there's certain people she's like, she's confronting sure. in certain but, restaurants. Yeah. But, but the way that New York is framed is almost exclusively as like, this is a place where you are surrounded by people and yet mm-hmm. completely and utterly alone. You know, that's, that is yeah. my take. That is Sophia Coppola's specialty, by the way. Like that right, is right, what she right. does very well. Yeah. But also so, isn't, that's what people love about New York. That's what <laughs> people love about negative. New York. I, yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess, you know, uh, it, it's in the eye of the beholder, I guess. But mm-hmm. I just, uh, so I under, basically I'm saying, I understand why this movie would make you nostalgic for New York. At the same time, I look at it and yeah. it makes New York look like a place I would not want to live. I, I don't you know think saying? you've ever really wanted to live in New York, Dave. Like, that's the thing. Like having. I did when, I, I'll say I did when I was a kid, you know, when yeah. I, when and I was I know in you spent, high school. You spent yeah. some time there. And I, yeah. I remember, like, after you spent, what was it, a summer there, you were like, yeah. uh, no, no thanks. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, you're either you're either with it or you're not. But if you're the type of person who just, like, loves the vibe, loves the pulse of just, like, walking out to a sidewalk and seeing everybody, like, just seeing tons of people off to do their own things. Sure, it probably feels a little lonely. But if you catch that wave, it is intoxicating. I think that's the real energy of the city. But it's also, like... You know, this movie explores super, or at least very rich New York and very privileged New York in a way that I never really got to. But I think the basics of it just really make me miss the city. That's that's just me. That's just because I've lived there for 10 years. And I think I cannot wait to get back um, because I love the city. And that's it feels like a love letter to New York in many ways. But it certainly pokes fun at the the rich art crowd and the like douchey startup people like there it does a lot of those things really well too all right jeff canada what did you think of on the rocks well dave i guess you could say what i thought of on the rocks is best summed up in the form of a limerick Mm, interesting Mm -hmm. this film's a situational flurry making comedy (laughs) out of worry Mm -hmm. yet it plays it straight and leaves its fate up to the charm Bill Murray. Nice. I was going to be really impressed if you didn't make the last word Murray. You know what I mean? <laughs> it would have been yeah. like a big head fake. That would have been fun. Um, next time, uh, next time, think about that, Jeff. Think about think about mixing um, it up a little bit. How dare you? Nicely done. Nicely done on the Limerick, though. Listen, the election is tomorrow. We can only we can only go so hard, Dave. Okay, don't judge. Exactly. <laughs> this this one yeah. was. Not, I not chose the, the easy find- the easy boom goes to die my joke. Jeff did this Limerick. We're moving yeah. on. I'm doing, I'm doing, I do on. no work at all, basically. Yeah, so, exactly. Let me just say, if you are interested in getting your own bespoke limerick, <laughs> cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. Can I tell you guys? Can Please, I tell you? Tell us. Uh-huh. Today. Today. Yep. Today. Yep. Today. On cameo.com, 
I did my 50th limerick. What? Oh, nice. Yeah. Holy shit, that's a lot of cash at that point, Jeff. <laughs> you, you're, you'd be surprised how much cameo removes from the equation, but yes, it is, it is a lovely, <laughs> lovely little uh, little bonus, and I'm grateful for every single person. Hopefully, every, every single person that's uh, got a limerick has loved them. I've gotten a bunch of five-star reviews, people responding with wonderful notes of gratitude. Nice. It has been a joy, and I'm so grateful to Danish Syed for telling me to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, You're yeah, one true uh, friend. Yeah. So, so good. So, so good about this that. movie, I, I basically agree with everything that Devinder said. Uh, I, I've, I can't help but think of this movie as a disappointment, mm-hmm. mostly because of how much I love Lost in Translation. Yeah, um, yeah, that's it. And I, I was very excited about this movie, very excited to see it. I watched it, you know, a week before we were reviewing it because I just couldn't wait. I was so excited. And DaVinci is right that it's it's charming and it, it is light and it is an easy watch. But it is a strange thing because on the face of it, it's actually this really broad, goofy, romantic comedy premise. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, idea, the yeah. idea is, mm, yeah. okay, a woman who thinks her husband is cheating has to hang out with the most notorious cheater and find out if it's true. Like, she teams up with a notorious cheater. Murray, it takes a villain a to know a villain. Yeah, only yeah, it takes a villain. Only the guy who's cheated more than anybody else can help her find out. This is the Suicide Squad of cheater movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know. That, but it takes that premise and like plays it straight. And the mm-hmm. whole movie, I'm going like, are we not all aware of what's going on here? Like, she's. It just seems like it's this big goofy idea that you could have had Will Ferrell in. You know, it could have been. It could have been that kind of big broad comedy, and yet it Sofia Coppola sort of handling it in this really sort of straight laced austere way. And I felt like the movie didn't either didn't land on either side of those things mm-hmm. because. Mm-hmm. It didn't ever lean into the fun and the funny, but it also didn't ever land the, you know, real interesting look at, you know, fidelity and marriage and what leads someone to have those thoughts and all that stuff that I think a more sophisticated movie would have done. Like that could have been an interesting, you know, um, what's the marriage movie that's become a meme, uh, <laughs> that we reviewed that marriage I loved. Story? Tully? Marriage Tully? stories. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the uh, <laughs> not Tully, not Tully. I just, I just like that the movie is called marriage story, which is probably the most descriptive <laughs> movie title you could find. And you couldn't think of it, Jeff. That's funny. Yeah, okay, well, I had that in my head and I thought that can't be right. That just yeah, sounds is too Is it generic. marriage tale? Is it marriage <laughs> fable? Anyway, Jeff, the ahead. king of uh, you know accurate titles. I'm really <laughs> yeah. disappointed. Marriage yeah, story. That you know that one that's a story about a marriage. It's a story ah. about a marriage. Mm, yeah. it's like a, a thing with a beginning, middle, and end that's about a marriage. It's told in sequential yeah. order. Oh, uh, matrimony tale. <laughs> no. Um, so, <laughs> uh, anyway, it, it's it, you know that movie that's really about divorce and about what divorce does to people and how these you know. It's a much more serious movie, right? And and On the Rocks doesn't want to be that, but it also kind of doesn't want to be a big broad comedy. It just sits yeah. in this weird, awkward place where it doesn't really do either thing very, very well. And ultimately, I thought it kind of is a cop out. I mean, we'll get to it in spoilers, but it's kind of a cop out on the whole premise. And it just is this kind of 
meandering little fluff mm -hmm. tale uh, that I think without Bill Murray wouldn't have been very fun. Like he yeah. kind of, like Devidra said, he brings all this life to it. And, There's one you know, scene where he just like turns on the Bill Murray charm and yes. charms a guy into yeah. loving him. Oh, it's great. So great. That is Let's so talk good. about it. Let's talk about it in the, yeah. in, the in the spoilers. And I love, um, you know, I love Rashida Jones. I love Marlon Wayans. I, I think these are talented actors, but I think Rashida Jones is almost completely wasted in this movie. She's very, she, she's kind of yeah, sleepwalks she's not through doing it much. Yeah, yeah, and the, and her character is just sort of this bland, uninteresting uh, woman without much agency. And it just, I just don't. She wants I don't to know. I, was, I, I get was, it. Yeah. Yeah, I was really disappointed by this movie, and, and and that's not to say it's terrible. It just didn't live up to, you know, the movie that it is clearly invoking, right? I mean, you have a Sofia Coppola movie with Bill Murray, you you know, and he's in New York drinking martinis yeah. on the, you know, it's like, I, you she, know she what you're selling. what she's doing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I just, it, you know, it is so inferior to that movie that it's a, that it couldn't help but be disappointed by it. Mm-hmm. I guess when I'm watching this movie, I, I, I largely agree with what you gentlemen had to say about it. And I, when I'm watching this movie, here are the thoughts that occur to me. Um, number one, it's hard to make a story compelling that's about the troubles of uh, incredibly wealthy, well-off people right right now, I think. right And uh, because these people you know, have so many problems in their lives removed from them, it's like... Therefore, I think like the craft necessary to make it something that for sure. I give a shit about uh, yeah. is the the expectation is higher for me. And there I are have many to say, shows. Say, yeah. like, like Dave, let me just say, as somebody who lived in York for a very long time, I could price that apartment like to you know to to a T and be yeah. like, God damn, okay. Can you give me? Can you give an estimate? Can you give an estimate? I don't just know. So I don't know. That, that, I mean, it looks like a two bedroom Soho apartment because yeah. the kids are sleeping in the same room and they they have their own room. It looks like decently sized, but it's like in one of the cute Soho streets. So that's a that's millions. That is <laughs> under two million, I'd say. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah, so they're they're doing fine. They're doing fine for themselves. And I mean, everybody's problems are relative, though. Yeah. You know, everybody yeah, yeah, has yeah. problems, well, well, and well, problems for everyone are still problems, and money doesn't eliminate problems. And I it's, think it's certainly possible to create interesting drama and human stories to people that have money. It's not that like is, they all is, of a sudden yeah, don't well, have problems. That's what I, she does. Like, that's you're, you're, yeah. this whole yep. thing. Yeah. Now, now you're stealing my thunder, Jeff. So, you know, turn about is fair play. But oh, it feels good. But, yeah, you're right. It's just, it? like, it's just like you're so energized inside. You feel the you power. You feel the power. Yeah. But basically, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the canonical example of this for me is succession, right? Where mm -hmm. right. Uh, here are people whose wealth is unimaginable, even to the people in this movie. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and and what that show is able to do is turn the story into a battle for the soul of Kendall Roy. <laughs> and uh, I don't like know, kind of dude. That show it's more about Schadenfreude. Though. Yeah. I just like w watching it from the outside in, and just like sure, sure. I just w enjoy watching all of these people squirm. However, yeah, <laughs> however you want to proceed, you know, it's like it, the the way it's able to uh, make it so that these people are kind of self destructing, and you're enjoying that, right? That's <laughs> yeah. that's something that's uh, really compelling. Or, but for me, it's really about Kendall Roy. It's really about like what is going to happen with this guy? Is he going to find a way to redeem himself? And it, it's almost like this battle between good and evil that's raging inside this one character. That is interesting to me, right? And so I feel like there are ways to make uh, stories about rich people like this really, really I, interesting. I mean, I have a pitch for this movie that I think would would give it a jolt. But oh, we'll you're going to pull spoilers. Jeff Kanata here. Okay, yeah. go ahead. 
Go ahead. I mean, in spoilers. In spoilers. Oh, okay, in spoilers. Okay, okay. But anyway, point being, I don't feel. I, I basically, I'm saying, I think there's a high bar to meet, and I don't know that yeah. the film yeah. really met it. She set her own bar. You know, it's a thing. It's like you yeah. can't, you can't do the same thing. And I, I also, mm-hmm. by the way, just a really, really random side note before we get to spoilers is, I thought that the uh, is it Marlon Wayans that's in this film, right? It's Marlon. Uh, yeah. That his job, the way he talked about it, was so hilarious because yeah, there's it's your a char- job. It's your job, Dave. Come there, on. Well, there's a character in there's a char- It basically sounded like how somebody who has never worked in that job but thinks they know what it's like <laughs> would talk about it. There's a character in yeah. our um, ROI was so was yeah. off the charts. Oh my gosh, there's a our character return on in, investment. Yeah, there's a character in BoJack Horseman that is three children stacked <laughs> yeah. up on top of yeah. you know each other in a trench a coat. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and he's like uh, he's Vincent Adult Man, uh-huh. and he's like uh, he says things like, "Hey, I went to the business factory today and I made a business. I brought I brought this guy up a few times probably on the podcast, yeah. and uh, that's what it reminded me of when Marlon Wayans yeah. was talking. He's like." <laughs> Oh he's man, we got deals. We got yeah. five hundred thousand new followers, and it's like the ROI is in- insane. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he, also, he also has to explain <laughs> ROI. Yeah, in what, the dialogue. What, but yeah. what are you? What are you talking about? You're talking to your wife. Th- this you was love like this woman. This was like a first draft of this guy's dialogue <laughs> that like like Sophia Coppola wrote yeah, in the script. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah ROI yeah. five hundred thousand dollars. Like like we're gonna fill this in with some more detail later, and they just never got to it. Uh, <laughs> oh, so anyway, yes, just yes, completely red, completely baffling like uh, yeah. dialogue. Because I I know the guy, I know the guy yes. Marlon Wayans is playing in this movie, and like. You know, yeah, sure. That's your caricature. They, of that they're guy. they're slightly yeah. smarter than that. They're yeah. slightly smarter than that is what I have to say about mm-hmm. it. Um, and and a lot of the social media, the people who run social media things are, you know, I'm just going to say as like uh, with with a lot of bias, are people who I would like to hang out with. You know, I didn't want to hang out with this Marlon Wayans guy. You know, like yeah. he didn't seem uh, anyway. Anyway, so yeah. Bottom line, I thought it was weird the way that character depicted, but anyway. Let's get to spoilers for On the Rock starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Do you want to see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. All right. Let's talk about spoilers. So, Devindro, how, how would you mix it up? Sure. So we talked about this movie being, it just leans on the Murray charm. You know, that's what it is. That is the linchpin of so many things in this movie. And I think it does it really well. That cop scene, I think the the actor who played the cop, just like the shift that guy makes and the sort of like shift from like, sir, get out of the car. You are a danger too. Right. You're my bro. You know my grandpa? You know my dad? It's so good. Like I, that scene is really well done and really encapsulates the you know, the magical power of Bill Murray, the Bill Murray. It's that amazing. Exists. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's incredible. It, you know, you know what it reminded yeah. me of a little bit was, um, uh, did we talk about the writer on the podcast? Were you guys on the, on the, on the, the writer podcast? I don't recall. No, I don't think so. Um, or, you know, no, no, we did. We no, did. Devendra, yeah. you and I talked about, it. I don't know yes. if Jeff was there though, but anyway, it sound like, yeah, I don't remember. I, it. I, I think Amy Nicholson was our guest for that mm-hmm, episode mm-hmm. and Jeff was out. But anyway, we watched the writer and the writer is about a guy who rides horses. And there's one scene in the writer when you see the actor that plays the main character kind of basically 
tame a horse for lack of a better term right like yeah, yeah. he's he like starts like working with a horse and you see him kind of like get the horse under his control and it's a remarkable moment because you're seeing this fusion between the actor and the actual person who plays that uh, uh, sorry the character and the actor who plays the character because the actor who plays the character is actually skilled with working with horses mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um that's kind of how I felt. The, the, the Bill Murray the scene cop is, like, is a horse. This, yeah. this, well, it's it's <laughs> like this. This could be a scene of Bill Murray actually doing this to someone. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like I can imagine. Could, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is how at, this guy goes through life. Like extreme privilege. Nothing really matters. Like coasting on his charm and so many yes. things. And then also, like I, I also as, thought as it was also. I also thought it was white privilege. The scene. Yeah, um, white privilege well. plus plus charm. But uh, hey, what if this movie reckoned with? that charm and his sort of like recklessness and everything. And I think towards the end, it kind of gets to this where Rashida Jones character confronts him about just what a shitty guy he was to, to his daughters and to his wife by cheating with her and cheating with her openly and kind of, you know, really hurting his wife and basically destroying their family at the end of this movie, you know, they pretty much reconcile, right? Like they're, they're ready. She's not, she's very charmed by him. She's not saying she's like, fuck off, get out of my life, but he's inviting her to an adventure. She says, no, it's a very like poetic way of saying like, Oh, you know, she's taken off her dad's watch and she's putting on her husband's watch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, cause it sets up, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. The bangles represents who you were owned by. And I get it. And th- there, there is like the, the opening, actually the first thing you hear in this movie is Bill Murray telling his daughter, what was it like? You don't, you know, you don't really, you belong to me until you get married or something like yeah, that. Yeah, marriage it's a very, is a transference of property. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a very possessive thing. It's a weird thing too because it's dialogue before you see any characters on the screen. It's just like a couple sentences and then cut to Rashida Jones, right? And I feel like the way to make this movie is to fully reckon with Bill Murray as like the actual villain of this story. You know, it is the villain and the actual villain meme. The villain of this movie is not Marlon Wayans. The villain is Bill Murray and the sort of like toxic shit he's brought into Laura's life and the impact he's had on her and the way he sort of like poisoned her relationship too. So what if you turn the charming Bill Murray guy and keep that scene with the cop, but by the end you realize, oh, this guy is just, he is fucked up and he is fucking up his daughter's life right now too. And you don't let them have the sort of happy reconciliation. I see. A I bit. see. So yeah, like, I was like, I was like, the movie does what you're describing, but just it does, like, but it they, doesn't. But don't go all the way. It's too tepid to. It's yeah. too tepid to really have the courage of its convic- yeah. convictions. Yeah. There, it doesn't. Uh, well, here's actually... what I appreciated about the ending, though, is that I think that um, families are weird. You mm-hmm. guys, yeah. I, I don't know about you guys, but like. Uh, you know, my family and I, when I was living with my parents when I was younger, you know, we'd get into shouting matches all the time, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. then, like, five minutes later, you're sitting around the dinner table and everything's yeah, yeah, completely yeah. normal, you know? And I just like any movie or TV show that kind of captures that very odd dynamic of, like, one minute you're screaming at each other, but then ultimately, you know you have to go back to these people because you're related. And mm-hmm. I, I think that that's kind of what that ending represented to me. No, I, g- I get that, it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Like, yeah, it is a very, it is very like mature way to wrap the story up and be like, okay, I'm not going to go on another crazy adventure with you. You know, I have a family, I have a life to live, but I think at least reckoning more with the movie's reliance on Bill Murray, the charming guy, because 
it's it's like so many movies about guys who are actually kind of monsters. You know, like I'm thinking like the Wolf of Wall Street and things like that, where it's like, oh man, this guy, look, he's so cool. He's so smart. He's got all this money. He's got a beautiful wife. And by the end of that movie, you're like, oh, I I see. You right. know, he is like Wolf of Wall Street of, arguably does arguably yes. does reckon with those things, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think at least does so more so, whereas this movie kind of, it kind of like you have that conversation, but it's nothing, it's not like major. It's not, it doesn't feel like a life changing revelation for her. Um, And then, yeah, of course, you know, she, she learns to whistle because she, she has her sense of self back. It just feels really pat and really neat in a way. I feel like these stories don't typically actually go. Uh, random side note, by the way, about that wedding scene. I just thought, mm-hmm. like, just from a uh, screenwriting slash line producing perspective or filmmaking yeah. perspective, right? Yeah. I'm like, wow, what a creative way of showing a wedding uh, for almost zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like wedding scenes are like generally very yeah. complex because you have yeah. all the decorations and you have uh, all the uh, extras and all the dresses and all that stuff. And it's like, oh, the way we're going to do it is we're going to show just a close-up of the bride and groom, then them escaping the wedding, and then them kind of like having a little getaway by themselves. You never actually see the wedding itself, and it's like, hmm, mm-hmm. pretty clever, Sophia Coppola. I like how you I think with you. the producer's mind here. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. no, I'm like, it's, it's pretty clever. It's pretty clever. Also, uh, Jeff, nice. I think yeah. like a nice, quiet opening, too. Like, it really tells us a lot about their relationship, you know, where she is taking a leap with this guy and like, it's a, it's a little like risky. It's a little wild. And I kind of appreciate that because you cut to her picking up all the toys on the floor, which is a daily chore for every, every single parent yeah, on the planet. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I, my wife and I commented on that too, that, that just like, I think it's a couple of times or three times mm-hmm. in the movie, she does it. And it's just that, that pathway of, of, you know, uh, detritus, spewed all across the ground that she has to yeah it's like yeah that's that's basically every day of my Uh, life speaking of things we liked about the movie you know i also really liked jenny slate's character you know as bad as marlon wayne's dialogue was i thought jenny slate's dialogue was perfect it's so funny and like like, go just go jenny slate oh i'm sure that a lot of that was improvised you know it just feels like that that was just like let her go for as long yeah and really funny character it's incredible because it's not like this person is like horrible. It's just like it's right. a specific type yeah. of person that's just she's an energy vampire. <laughs> energy vampire, like very self-involved, right? Like, and yeah. it's just like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, but but Jeff, you felt the ending was a bit of a cop out. So tell us about that. I think the ending is a complete cop out. I, yeah. I do. I, I thought the the fact that the husband wasn't cheating at all, and that it was all just a big misunderstanding that was brought about by dad, um, you know, and and just the sort of like pat like. You get to the apartment and, oh, she's a lesbian. She was a lesbian the whole time. It's impossible for him to have been cheating. It just felt so cornball and, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. I, I I didn't give the movie any credit. It's It felt like it was this long, shaggy dog story to get to this, like, oh, it was me the whole time. It's my, it was my insecurity that made me think my husband, when clearly the dude was a... a a self-involved kind of douche and like there's no comeuppance for him at all like the, the well the first scene where he climbs into bed with her was never explained right like yeah, right. never yeah. explained like why he had that reaction right um but like, yeah clearly they have more to work on you know their <laughs> right. problems are not solved but just yeah by this. and that there's like a, a the, the final scene the final um dinner scene where where you know 
he explains what's been going on and she explains what's been going on. She, he finally gives her the Cartier thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, 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 it just felt so like this guy bears no responsibility for the fact that his wife, you know, felt the way she felt. And it's, I don't know. I just felt like, yeah, the, the, the end of this movie should lead into the first scene of marriage story. Basically. <laughs> know, right? <laughs> Straight to the I, therapist's uh, office. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah, the movie misses an opportunity to really be about uh, what happens to a marriage, you know, like and, right. uh, in a right. way that marriage story takes. A, but it's like there is an interesting idea of like uh, what happens when, you know, initial love gives way to uh, like kids, you know, being in the picture and all this stuff that like many other movies have taken this approach already and. Uh, but this movie doesn't really do anything interesting with that angle as well, unfortunately. Right. So, right. Uh, and then her writing her book, I have to say, like that was a completely uncompelling, you know. Um, yes. Problem, you know, just and like he's a, oh, yeah, and he's like a, got such a, a great you got guy. a rich book deal and you can't write it. Oh wow, like I feel well, so and also, bad like, for you. You know, he's such a great guy because he keeps encouraging her to write. It's like, <laughs> okay, you reach the bare minimum of what it takes to be a husband. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, a real a real mixed bag. I think the the issue for me is just like it's it's hard for me to understand what the movie was about. I think right, to the right. extent that it was about anything, it's about kind of how this how uh this happy-go-lucky playboy persona that Bill Murray's character has can coexist with this much darker, more tragic side. Uh, with like kind of the wreckage that he's left from his family and like how yeah. how those things need to coexist and and be together. I, I was movie, imagining co- more like more like Broken Flowers or something too, right? Like uh, I think a, Jim, another Jim far Jarmusch, superior movie. Yes, yes, but Jim Jarmusch has done a much better job of exploring the Murray persona as yeah as, as this sort of destructive force. Right, 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 right. So uh, to the extent that like that that's the most compelling idea I could come up with in terms of like mm-hmm. what this movie is actually about, um, but. As you said, Devendra, like I mean, really, only is about that in the last like twelve minutes of the movie, yeah. you know. Um, so, bit of a missed opportunity, but it, it wasn't a movie I hated or anything like that. It's just like right. it's, it's I fine. Agree. It's fine. It's just disappointing. Yeah, just a missed opportunity, but nothing like it's not horrible or anything like that. It's just yeah. like oh, it could it could have been better, and it was just okay. Uh, oh, but I, I do think you know to the point earlier, it does a great job of capturing New York. I think and a certain. Mm-hmm melancholy feeling that new york can can give you and and how there's just like there's this weird juxtaposition like many aspects of new york and and how claustrophobic it can feel how lonely it can feel but also like this this conflict of going to this exciting restaurant that you know oh like this is a very highly desired restaurant that like a lot of people want to go to but also i cannot hear a fucking thing inside here right and like <laughs> there's way too many people in here you know and so uh i like that it captures all these things about new york so yeah, uh, yeah. It, it captures the setting in a really effective way so it's, yeah some good things about it some missed things about it so those are our thoughts on on the rocks available right now on apple tv plus stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week on the podcast uh but until then uh, this episode's theme song was provided by AdamWarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper was provided by YouTuber Kyle Hillinger. Check out his YouTube videos. Thanks to Noah Ross for our uh, weekly plugs music. And thanks to Beatty Zhang for editing this episode of the podcast. 
We got an after dark coming up this week uh, about the election and our post-election thoughts, just reacting to it. Uh, if you want to be the first to hear it, go to patreon.com slash film podcast. Next week on the podcast, we are going to be reviewing His House, a thriller slash horror movie that's available it's right really now good. on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, Devinder's watched it already. It's really good. A lot of people have said this is really, really an excellent debut film. I'm psyched to discuss it. And tentatively, next week on the After Dark, we'll confirm next week on the podcast, but tentatively, next week's After Dark will be about The Queen's Gambit, the Netflix original uh, miniseries. So that's what's in store next week on the Slash Filmcast. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Again, vote, stay safe, Stay healthy. Be well. We'll see you all on the other side. We watch the movies, flicks, tracks from the good side, bad. It's the slash filmcast. For all the news and the movies coming out, because you know that it's the thing worth talking about.